This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. So Taylor, there are a lot of people in the world now who can't go into their office and go to work. I wonder if that's affecting you and your work life. <laughs> well, um, I... No. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still able to, to get up? in the morning and uh, rub your eyes and, and walk into your desk? Yeah, I, I walk right into my desk. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, I, I see these posts on social media of people who are, you know, stir crazy and they're, you know, quarantine, day number whatever. And then they oh, yeah. have all this. T- it seems like everybody just has so much time on their hands. And I'm so envious because for me... This is no, like this is the same schedule I always had before. Like nothing changed for me. I guess I, as I as I posted on my Facebook page, well, in the Facebook group some time ago, it's like apparently I've been spelling, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been misspelling uh, <laughs> quarantine wrong for a long time. It's called work from home. <laughs> but but then there's just so much more to deal with at the same time, and I I do definitely relate to the posts and the things that people are saying about is anybody else really struggling to focus and concentrate. And for me, concentration and focus is a struggle in the best of times. And right now it's like, it's, if, if I even get any work at all done, I'm super proud of myself, but I, I feel really bad at the same time. Like this shouldn't be affecting me the way that it is. I should be able to just, you know, keep producing and, and getting my brain back. And it's, it's been, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think it's probably been a little bit of a challenge for everybody out there. For me, um, my life is essentially the same because I've been working for home for a few years now, and everyone that I work with is remote. When I talk to people, it's like when I talk to you. It's it's via some sort of computerized device like Skype or Zoom or something like that. So it's mostly the same except my social life and the way I interrupt work is to go out to eat at which you just cannot do anymore. So Mm-mm. A, we're I cooking a lot life. more <laughs> and B, we're eating, I'm eating constantly. It's just, it is crazy. And I, I do see these really funny posts online about, you know, the puffed up people saying that they ate all their, uh, you know, their month worth of supplies in a day and a half, which yeah. I, I think I might be trying to do. The other thing I notice on social media, which I'm, I'm, I feel a little bit bad that I'm not able to do this myself, is the really beautiful people amongst us are videotaping themselves, oh, videotaping, that's how old I am, videoing themselves, <laughs> exercising to show how fit and beautiful they are. Oh. <laughs> so that is like totally not me, um, but I am still able to get out and run and walk, so I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, it just it is it is a crazy crazy time, and I do find myself now craving face to face interaction. Interesting. I f- I 
find myself torn with like a little bit of guilt because I already don't interact much on social media. Uh, just because I, I don't feel, I feel like if I don't have something important to say, you know, I'm not, I don't, I, some people just have this need to constantly express, right? And mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing. That's, that's part of their nature. It's who they are. And it's wonderful for the social media medium. Me, I, it, it takes so much out of me to come up with anything like creativity wise, words wise, that I just kind of tend to reserve it for my work unless I find something like hilarious or that I think is particularly witty and then I'll share it maybe in the Facebook group. And, and I, I'm kind of torn because I feel like right now there's so much going on about this virus that people need something that to, to break from that. Mm -hmm. But I feel that I don't also want to break. I don't want to, it, it, it's like trying to find the balance between being somber and and entertain, entertaining, I guess. Like, I, I should do something. I should interact. People need interaction. But I don't have anything worth saying. To I don't want to take away from all these people who are suffering and, you know, all the seriousness of it. And so I just feel like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I do nothing, typically. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of leads us into the topic of our show today. Um, I'm actually the one who's like, oh my God, I know what we're going to do today. And I know we've had a lot of talking shows lately where we're discussing things and not so much show and tell. Part of that is because I, it relies on me to do the show and tell. I don't have any new material to draw from, from, from examples right this second, but also it's time consuming and I don't have the, the focus <laughs> to be able to sit down and, and just set to work on that. And so, um, it, it so happens that there's a book I want to talk about, not my book. And the reason I want to talk about this book is because for the first time, uh, as long as I can remember, maybe the first time ever, I don't know, I have read a book from cover to cover in one sitting. <laughs> like I, I got pulled into it. In the middle of a workday, no less. In the middle of all this chaos, no less. And it swallowed me whole and pulled me down to where time didn't exist anymore. And I'm actually going to be quoting that. Uh, that's kind of somewhat how I want to blurb it. It was sent to me as a, hey, would you, um, be, would you consider reading this book uh, with the idea of maybe giving a blurb for it? So the book itself doesn't come out until August, which is a little frustrating, I'm sure, for as you listen to me talk about it, you probably want to go, go out and get it right now. But you can pre-order. So anyway, we'll get into title and author and all that kind of stuff. And it, I, you know, I get requests fairly often for, from people asking me to read a book to blurb it. And my standard response these days is, thank you. I'm honored. I don't have the time. And that is 100% true. If you followed me for any length of time, you know how chaotic, how absolutely chaotic my life has been for these last couple of years, and I simply don't have the time. Part of it also is because I'm very ADHD, and I mean severely, and so staying focused on something 
doesn't fully capture my attention. It's not entertainment. It's it's not enjoyment. It's work. And I have a hard enough time keeping my focus on the things that I need to for my own work without taking on someone else's work. And then the other part you've heard about me talk, I'm sure many times, is how it's so hard for me to read these days. Um, I, it's very hard for me to find enjoyment in reading because the, the better and more skilled I get at manipulating the work, manipulating words, the, that's my standard of what I expect out of other, I actually expect what I read to be better than me. Like, you know, (laughs) so that it, it, not so that I can necessarily learn. Okay. So now what you've just done is is to kill off any chance that anyone's ever going to send material in again. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just kidding. No, um, everybody who sends material in, I've always told them how brave they are for doing it and how much I appreciate it. And that still stands. And um, yeah, but when I'm reading for enjoyment, it's different, right? So for the most part, I, I think I've maybe read two books in the last four years that weren't nonfiction. Because, and those were requests, like from editors and stuff saying, hey, can you look at this book? And I've talked before about how blurbs generally tend to work. Like, um, I don't know how necessarily every author does it, but for me, uh, I do read everything that I blurb. I might not read the book like 100% page to page. In fact, those two books that I say that I read, I probably only managed to read like 75% of them. But I read enough to know that, yeah, my readers would really like this or whatever and to put my name on it. And for the most part, um, and you know, some authors are really, really generous about giving blurbs. Maybe they don't read every book that they blurb, or maybe they're just like really, really fastly intense readers. I don't know. But as a general rule, um, knowing somebody who knows that author or having a personal connection with that author has a tendency to at least, if nothing else, get them to look at your book. It doesn't guarantee a blurb. For me, it definitely doesn't guarantee a blurb. But if somebody who's, you know, been really good to me in this industry says, hey, I have an author who's got their debut novel coming out, and it would really mean a lot to me if you'd at least, you know, let me send you a copy. And if you have the time, you know, maybe you'd be considered. I will at least say, okay, fine, send it to me. Whether I ever get to read it or not, I don't know. But at least I'll say, whereas for somebody else, I'll be like, no, just I, I just don't have the time. So that's that's where that connection comes in. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to um, you're guaranteed a blurb or anything like that. So in this case, I got the request and everybody in New York publishing right now practically is working from home. So the request came through my agent. Another editor had, you know, sent her an email and said, I'm I'm working from home. I don't have copies of uh, physical copies, but I can send you a digital copy. And that's, that's kind of just what I saw straight off the bat. And my, I was literally opened up the email to type, uh, I don't have time and I really don't read eBooks, whatever, but thank you. And then I saw the rest of the email and the rest of the email said, this is my author, Julia Heberlin, and this is her book that will be coming out. And I know Julie. She is a very dear friend of mine. And, but that I still would not, <laughs> I'm not going to blurb a book if I haven't read it or whatever. So I was like, oh my God, okay, this is Julie. And I haven't talked to her in forever. Yes, send me her book. And so, um, you know, I was sitting on my computer for a while and I got to thinking and I was like, you know, I should 
probably text her just to see how she's doing. You know, this is a hard time. I know that, her, you know, every, everybody's got issues that maybe this uh, virus might affect their family in some ways that, you know, could be pretty bad. And, and she's no exception to that. And so, I, you know, I just, I just texted her and said, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, just friendly stuff. And I said, by the way, your editor sent me uh, your a copy of your latest and whatever. And she's like, oh, you know, let's, we're doing good, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, please don't feel any pressure. And I was like, look, honestly, <laughs> the situation I'm in now, I can't really say that a blurb would be helpful for you at all. <laughs> I don't have another book coming out. You know, there's just so much chaos going on. And she's like, I would love to have a blurb from you because you are one of the best writers that I know. And I value your opinion. And I think that your readers, if they see that you like this, would give it a chance. And I know she's not wrong because I blurb so few books. And I was like, okay, well, um, you know, I, I'm going to, I'll try and get a chance to, to read it. And I think like our last text back and forth that day was maybe at, uh, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon or something. Now, granted, my days don't end till four in the morning. So, you know, it was not for me, that was like late morning, right? So I go, okay. And I'm working, trying, 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 working on my own work. And it's just, I feel like I'm beating my head against nothing. So I was like, well, let me just at least open this up. It's a PDF. I mean, who, who reads PDFs on their computer? Let me just open this up and just, you know, maybe get a few pages started into it. And then I can say I actually accomplished something for the day. Eight hours later, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And so, like I said, it was the first time I can ever remember reading a book from cover to cover. And, like, it, I literally lost all sense of time. I lost myself. I was – it's like – I'm sure a lot of readers experience this where it's almost like you're not even in your body anymore because you are detached from what's going on around you because you're so consumed by what you're reading. For for some people, that's very common. If you're if you read a lot, that's very common. For me, this doesn't happen. It hasn't happened since Jason Bourne, <laughs> which is what started me writing in in the first place, right? So it's a really, really big deal. And I just have to say, too, it's not like I don't try and read. You know, I I am a member of Amazon Prime, not proud of it, but I am. And being a member, that allows you access to huge libraries that you can borrow. And it also lets you, uh, once a month, you can basically download free, like to keep, you purchase for free. Um, one of their early, you get an early look at some of the their top picks of books that they're championing for the coming month. And... Every month, without fail, I am there just looking, 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 looking for something that will just take me away. And I'm, I'm always disappointed until this week. So I wanted to talk about this book. I, oh, my God, I want to talk about a book. <laughs> Which, again, everybody else is in their book clubs and they're excited to share books. And, but, and I am excited about this book. But the main reason I want to talk about it is from a craft perspective uh, for our listeners who are authors to, to, to sort of break down what it is, why this book works, why it was able to do this to me 
when so many other books don't. And I, I, you know, I have to disclaimer this and say, well, I realize I don't read for the same reasons everybody else does. I, I realize that I'm a data point of one and, you know, maybe what, what I'm looking for in the reading experience is not the same as what everybody else is looking for. So just because I'm all like gaga about this book, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be because it is impossible for me as I read to separate the characters from the craft, from the master storytelling. It's all one. And I am aware of the, the craftsmanship, the level of mastery that goes on in a story in the way that those who read to consume it rather than to create it probably wouldn't be. And that's not a bad thing. You'd be so grateful that you can, you don't see behind the curtain. But for those who are looking to be able to see behind the curtain, that's what this is about, right? So the, the book itself is titled... We are all the same in the dark. And the author is Julia Heberlin. That's spelled, last name is spelled H-E-A-B-E-R-L-I-N. And it's going to be released, as far as I know, the release date is August 11th. So we still got quite some time to go before this book comes out. And I'm going to read to you what the, uh, the cover copy says. You can go on uh, any bookseller and read this for yourself. It's not anything special. That's where I copied it from anyway. And I'm going to read it so that you have a sense of what I'm talking about and what to compare, what I'm going to compare against, okay? So this is what it says. The discovery of a girl abandoned by the side of the road threatens to unearth the long-buried secrets of a Texas town's legendary cold case in this superb atmospheric novel from the internationally best-selling author of Black Eyed Susans. It's been a decade since Trimonel Branson disappeared, leaving only a bloody handprint behind. Her pretty face still hangs like a watchful queen on the posters of the walls of the town's Baptist church, the police station, and in the high school. They all promise the same thing, we will find you. Meanwhile, her brother Wyatt lives as a pariah in the desolation of the old family house, cleared of wrongdoing by the police, but tried and sentenced in the court of public opinion and in a new documentary about the crime. When Wyatt finds a lost girl dumped in a field of dandelions making silent wishes, he believes she is a sign. The town's youngest cop, Odette Tucker, believes she is a catalyst that will ignite a seething town still waiting for its own missing girl to come home. But Odette can't look away. She shares a wound that won't close with the mute, one-eyed mystery girl, and she is haunted by her own history with the missing true. Desperate to solve both cases, Odette fights to save the lost girl in the present and to dig up the shocking truth about a fateful night in the past, the night her friend disappeared, the night that inspired her to become a cop, the night that wrote them all a role in the town's dark, violent mythology. In this twisty psychological thriller, Julia Heberlin paints unforgettable portraits of a woman and a girl who redefine perceptions of physical beauty and strength. So that's the back of the, the story. Now, I had not read a single word of what this book was about when I started reading. I opened it up, and there is a quote on the opening page before the story starts that I went, holy crap. That is amazing. And it was a quote from a grave digger. And it basically talks about what it takes to dig a grave. 
and how he believed that whoever was looking for a missing girl, not the same one that this book is about or anything like that, knew digging. They knew how to dig because everybody's been looking for her forever and hadn't turned up anything. And for someone to understand soil and how to properly dig a grave, it had to be someone uniquely connected with the earth, like a farmer or whatever. So I read that and I went, holy amazeballs, that quote is awesome. It's taken from a book. And so that was my, that was my entire introduction to what this story was going to be. Now, personally, I didn't really think there was much about this story that would qualify it as a thriller. And I didn't even really see it as being psychological or twisty in the twisted sense of twisty, right? But it, it definitely went in directions that I didn't go, that I didn't expect it to go. But two uh, side notes on that is one, authors don't really have control over the cover copy and very rarely have control over marketing copy. So, but when you start saying things like, you know, in this twisty psychological thriller, that's basically marketing speak for this is an audience we think that's going to like this and this is how we're trying to slot it for sales departments and whatever. And the other thing is when I read, I'm, I'm not one of those readers who's like in competition with the author. Like I'm really happy to just let a story take me wherever it wants to go. Some people are like trying to figure it out and guessing and whatever. And that's fine. Different, different writing, reading styles. But mine is one of just let the story take me. And by the end, I'll know what's happening and I don't have to try and figure it out. So I only say that because, you know, so you know where my biases are coming from. So when I read this book, what it was that pulled me in was that the voices of the characters were so unique. It's told in first person, um, almost present point by three different characters, but chronologically. So like once one character ends, the next one takes over. You're not jumping back and forth in time or anything like that. It's just the story is told chronologically through different points of view, through different points of time. And each one of those voices was incredibly unique. And in just so real, you felt like they were sitting down and telling you their story. Like it was that level of depth. And the, the craftsmanship in terms of craft, Julia is probably one of the cleanest, strongest writers on pure craft that I've ever read. And that was one of the reasons I was excited to get this. I've read some of her prior books and I enjoyed them. But what I enjoyed the most was that the writing was so clean. It's just like it's it's liquid ink. It's just pulling you along and your eyes just go from line to line to line. And her word choices and the way that she evokes emotion is incredibly compelling. It's it's real. You feel like you are actually engaging with a real life human being. The author is completely invisible in, in all of this. So just on a pure craft level alone, it, it's just, it's stunning. But the, the storytelling, the, it, it's just absolute masterful, masterful storytelling, because once you get to the end, and you do like I do, which is you step back and you look at it critically. This story could have been told, 
it could have been really bland and boring. Is the story itself has it's not like it has never been done before. It's not so unique. But that's how you can have, you know, a hundred vampire books, for example, and and vampires can be burned out as as a completely burned out genre wise, and then Twilight comes along, and it's like nobody's ever heard about vampires before. It's all the rage, and that's because whatever you have to say about the author's writing, masterful storytelling completely connected and engaged with the audience's emotions, right? And so this story itself, the actual details, what, how it all happened to, to make this story come together was nothing special. The special was in the characters and in how the story was revealed to the reader. Absolute mastery to the point that I'm just like jaw dropping going, I want to be you when I grow up. And one of the things that made this story so amazing and the character so amazing was something that in less gifted or skilled hands could have come across as cheap thrills, gratuitous, um, rubbernecking, uh, disrespectful or what have you. And that is that two of the characters in this story are amputees. They wear prosthetics. One is the girl that's mentioned in that, that, um, uh, the, the cover copy who has only one eye and the other is one of the other main characters. And on a storytelling level, the that aspect sort of ties those characters together and gives them a connection deeper than just surface. But on a characterization level, it is absolutely impossible to separate the the fact that they are amputees or require uh, an ocular prosthetic, a fake eye, whatever I can't pronounce it, um, from who they are as people. In other words, it wasn't just like putting on a shirt or changing your clothes. It couldn't have just been any 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 one of the characters in the story could that could have been them. It was integral to who these people were as characters, to the way they saw the world, to the way they experienced the world. And the story was not about prosthetics. It wasn't about the world of prosthetics. The story, as it's written, could not have existed without it. And that's masterful, masterful storytelling, is you, you have this subject that interests you, and you weave it into the writing process so deftly that the readers aren't even aware of what you're doing. And after, I, don't, I hope I'm not revealing too much personal information. Julie, if you're listening to this, my apologies if I've overstepped any boundaries or privacy or anything like that. But after this was over, I read it, I texted her saying, oh my God. And I was telling her some of the things that I appreciated it. And one of the things that stood out to me so, so much was how she'd taken this world of what it feels like to have a leg, what it feels like to only have one eye 
and made it so real that you felt like somebody was talking to you who actually had that experience. It felt real. It didn't feel gratuitous. And I, I was like, this is so amazing. And and I, I'm just stunned at how you were able to weave that in there so, so much, so tightly that you can't separate those issues from the story. And she's like, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, she had two edit. The book was being done in two two things at the same time. So one for the U.S. market and one for the U.K. market, two editors at the same time. And neither of her editors had ever mentioned a thing about prosthetics in the entire editing process that she was going through. Mm. And and I was just like, what? Mm. Like this, this book could not have existed without that level of realism. And there's an afterwards in which she explains about that side of the storytelling, but it's, but but it's so real and so authentic and so um, entwined into who these characters are and how they relate to the world and to each other that you don't even realize it until you hit that afterward. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God, you know, like this is this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. So it, without having the book in front of you, like you can't read it right now to see what I'm talking about, about what master storytelling looks like, you kind of just have to take my word for it. But, I, and so I can't go into a lot of details. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to, to wrap it up. But when you, when you really step back, sorry, I didn't mean wrap it up. I don't want to spoil it, period. But I, when you really step back and you look at it and you realize how almost mundane or basic the story is at its at its core like the actual details and how someone was able to take that and turn this into this very atmospheric captivating uh engaging read that's 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 storytelling that is that is the ability to take craft and storytelling and and characters and real world and and braid them together so tightly that it's just one single chord and, and this book is just a perfect example of that. And I'm in awe of it. And I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like blown away by it. And oddly enough, we talked about this a couple of days ago when we were discussing what we were going to chat about when we recorded. And you told me about the book. And I, I, I read the back cover copy that, that you had read. And i like, oh, it looks kind of good. It looks interesting. And then I, I just didn't think about it anymore. But just hearing you talk about it the whole way through, it's like, okay, I have to pre-order the book now because I'll forget by August 11th, and then I will I, miss the opportunity to do this. So it there's mystery. And, and without a doubt, m the mystery was part of what kept me turning pages. But it was almost background to just wanting to hear these characters' voices. Just wanting to to understand their worlds and how every page was just this rich bath of language and that just enveloped me. And every page brought more information, not necessarily about the mystery, although it was definitely leading in that direction, but about who these characters were and what made them what they were, but not in a way that you ever felt 
clogged down in it where, okay, 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 get to the point, get to the point, skip, skip, skip. There, I didn't skip a single word in this thing. It was all about the moment. Like every sentence, every detail was just there in the now. And I was, I, I trusted the author that when I got to the end, I would know what happened. And, you know, one of the ways that I read often is if it starts to, if story starts to get a little too suspenseful, or if I start running out of time, I will skip ahead. I will skip ahead to see what characters are still on the page, who's talking, sort of what happened. And then later, if I feel like it, I'll go in and fill in the blanks and whatever. <laughs> that is there so wasn't, cheating. <laughs> I, I just, I was just like, one page at a time, one page at a time. I do not want to know how this thing ends. I do not want to rush it. I just want to enjoy it. Every single word of it. It was like, it was like eating a rich chocolate cake, but not having to worry about getting fat or sick. <laughs> so it was, it was really, really worth, worth every single minute that I spent in it. And I understand now how it is that you can get the end of it and go, okay, I want more. I want to do that again. And you go out and, you know, like if it's a series, you go out and you want to read all the books in the series because you want to experience that again. Unfortunately, Julia only writes uh, standalone thrillers. No, not even thrillers, standalone novels. Some of them are more thriller-esque than others. I think all of them do take place in Texas. Um, and but she she is whether you enjoy the actual story or not, I can promise you 100 percent you're going to enjoy the writing. So as an author looking to improve your craft, whether this is your genre or not, whether this is your um, your type of book within the genre, whether you think it moves too fast or too slow, just read it for instructional purposes. It's a completely different type of storytelling than what I do, it, it, but it's, it's, it's so much richer and so much cleaner even than anything that I do. And so, yes, just for instructional purposes only, put it on your uh, order thing. And, you know, after August, when it comes out, if we're all still here, um, <laughs> the world hasn't ended. Maybe somebody can remind me about this and we can come back and, and get you know, listener feedback on it and see if anybody else felt the same way about this book as I did. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. That would actually be kind of fun. So the book, again, is We Are All the Same in the Dark. The author is Julia Heberlin. It looks like Heberlin. Did, did I pronounce that right? I hope so, because I don't know if I've been pronouncing it Okay. Right it, it releases on August 11th, and it is published by Ballantine Books. So I've pre-ordered it. Um, hopefully you guys are near a computer when you're listening to this because if you hear Taylor talk that lovingly about something, and I have to say that I'm tickled and I expect some of our listeners are as well, to hear you get the excitement that some of the rest of us get out of reading books. It's like you get to the end of the book and it's just like, I just want more of that character or those characters. You f you're just so drawn in to a group of people that you just want to go hang out with them again. In this case, I want more of that lush, rich, textural voice. It's her writing that I love so much. Well, she has lots of books. And the characters were great. She has lots of books, yeah, so you does. can go back and uh, you can you can fill all this free time that you have now. But speaking of time, <laughs> we are out of time. 
Yes, so, I'm sorry. I know we probably ran long. Thank you guys for being here with us this week. We will be back in your ear again next Tuesday. See you next week.